Look, the only way to understand the press is to remember that they pander to their readers' prejudices. Don't, don't tell me about the press. I know exactly who reads the papers. The Daily Mirror is read by people who think they run the country. The Guardian is read by people who think they ought to run the country. The Times is read by the people who actually do run the country. The Daily Mail is read by the wives of the people who run the country. The Financial Times is read by the people who own the country. The Morning Star is read by people who think the country ought to be run by another country. And the Daily Telegraph is read by people who think it is. Oh, and Prime Minister, what about the people who read The Sun? Sun readers don't care who runs the country, as long as she's got big t- So, first and foremost, we're going to discuss that cold open, by the way. Don't worry, it's a quote from uh, Yes Prime Minister, where they talk about the biases of each media and the sort of yeah. the readers of each sort of newspaper. In One of the, the best shows, oh, political shows that's ever been. Yeah, but we're going to play a little game to, to start off with. And uh, Maeve, you are the subject... Uh, for the first round of this game, me and Alex are going to try and guess who it is that you read. If you, you I mean, I'm, we're guessing you read newspapers, obviously. Um, or if you consume their online content. Yeah, the online content. But I will, I will exp- after you've guessed, I will give an honest answer. Fantastic. And Alex, you will be the subject of round two and I shall be the subject of round three. The question is, will any of us insult any of the others by suggesting we read papers that we would never read and actually hate? <laughs> I think Maeve reads for Daily Mail. No, I'm joking. <laughs> oh, imagine. I, I I would like Alex Woodward to go first. I'm going to guess. And this could be... This is me taking a massive swing. If only... You mention online content, and actually I think this newspaper do quite interesting online content quite eye-opening online eye-opening online content in the sense that you see and you go okay wow they're writing that i'm gonna say the independent oh okay um i i am currently straddling between two and you took one of my options so i am gonna go for the guardian okay there's a very good guesses alex woodward you won though straight away it is the independent I have their notifications on. Ping, ping, ping. I read that. Yep. Mm. Um, my, but my favorite. Uh, oh, go on. Sorry. Being said, I grew up in a household where there was no newspapers whatsoever. My parents did not believe in the just the meat. I think they just did not like English newspapers at all. And uh, when I told them I wanted to be a writer or a journalist and they were like well that's weird because we never even let you read any of that this is your rebellious um, stage then really. yeah it is yeah they, they are big lefties don't get me wrong but they just don't they never bought newspapers ever i think they didn't like to fund the sort of i guess the a lot of it i'm not i'm not really sure their reasoning really but they just were very against it and um yeah, the independent. I read them because it's not too left wing. I just I don't want to be too. Um, I don't want to be in an echo chamber. I don't want to be reading only one side, and I'm very cognizant of that. Um, so I I think the, the independent's a bit of a nice, a bit of a compromise. 
we'll get we'll get onto this later on in the episode yeah. as well. Don't worry. Um, Alex Woodward, you are the subject of round two, and uh, Maeve, please hmm. take take your stabs, take your guesses. Yeah, I don't know. It's difficult because I would just label you as anarchist. Doesn't read any news. <laughs> <laughs> I'm most certainly not an anarchist. <laughs> Okay, um, I do actually want to say the independent too, or maybe um, maybe the metro. I, I would I wouldn't be surprised by those guesses. I think they're quite good guesses. Yeah. But since you went with two, I'm also going to go with uh, two. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, the eye. Uh, I don't know if you obviously you know it. Hopefully, but also I'm tempted to go with a lesser known publication known for its satirization of politics private eye right so sorry what was Maeve's second guess the audio cut out for me metro metro right so i also grew up in a household i didn't read newspapers and you can probably tell by the fact i vote for news that i prefer the broadsheets over the tabloids now, I, just I will, to clarify, I will that's mention, the we should probably clarify what that is to our non-university of York mm. listeners. We, yeah. Oh, sorry. Do you mean news? Yeah, news is a yeah. Oh, it's a publication for the University of York, written by students. It takes a broadsheet format and broadsheet approach, as opposed to Vision, which takes a tabloid approach and also asking people to send nudes, which was a big thing a couple of years ago. Big scandal. That was great. Of, big yeah. scandal. Of I, I signed the thing. You have seen that in ratified. the. Uh, the big news, wouldn't you? We yeah. will get more onto broadsheets and tabloids later on in the episode after but, Alex reveals his biases. So, the papers I I read the most or read the most, I guess. First of all, I do have to mention the York Press and Yorkshire Post on the local stage, which I do read a lot of. But if there's one paper I probably read more than any, I do read the Independent a bit, but it's actually the Guardian. Ooh. Ooh. That, that's caught well, me if... off, uh, off I really like I really like a lot of their sort of I, I like their reports, but I actually got into The Guardian through the back door, or should I say the back page, because it was their sports reporting that led me to read the rest of the, <laughs> right. of the stuff they do. Yeah. That's fair so probably enough. Probably the Guardian. They do have a very good sports. I never read the Metro. I do like Private Eye. I thought you would. Okay. I thought you would. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Private Eye. Right, go on. Savage mm. me, I'm ready. Morning star. <laughs> <laughs> you can choose which one of you wants to go first. Okay, so... This is tricky for me because while I know you are right-wing, you are a sort of, you know, methodical right-winger. It's not because you think, you know, all immigrants are bad, I'll, like the Daily Mail and the Sunday. I'm going to help you out, by the way. Uh, there are three that I read. Okay, okay. I the New would... European. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I have read the New European in the past as well, actually, I should say. That's, that's a reference go... to our Brexit episode, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go for the Times or the Telegraph. Okay. I'm going to agree with Financial Times. I'm also... I'm going to say the Exp- Daily Express, if only because... I'm guessing this purely based on the fact before we started recording, you you said something positive about the Daily Express, which I've never heard anyone ever say. Oh, I did, it wasn't about the Express; it was about the uh, Daily Star. 
I'm going to save a daily star. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you probably keep an eye on them enough to form a valid analysis of their sort of practices. I, I keep an eye on the tabloids, yeah. So, so what did I say? The uh, and you, you know what? Again, maybe it's me going through myself, but I'm also going to guess at the Guardian. You would be right with the Guardian, yeah. I I do read the Guardian. Um, did you I, go through the back page like myself? Yes, and it's how I also got into the Telegraph as well. Mm. Um, the Financial Times, yeah, I I do I do like, but it's not my favourite. The my favourite is just the Times. I think oh, wow. reading all three gives you a very sort of balanced opinion on what's going on at the time. The Telegraph gives you sort of the right wing viewpoint. The Guardian gives you the left wing viewpoint, and the Times gives you quite a quite a central viewpoint on it. Um, mm. I know I've, if you look I've, up the Times, it says they're kind of right wing, but I'd say they're more sort of pro establishment rather than right wing. I've got a streaming app on my phone, and they have a thing called Daily Drive, I believe, and it starts off with news from the Times. So I, I do actually have a Times sort of link myself. Yeah. Um, but also, in this episode, it's important to tell you that we're going to be talking about national publications. So, for all the readers of the Congleton Chronicle, we're sorry. That or we're the not York be, Press. Or the York Press. We're not going to be talking about these smaller publications. But they are smaller publications are really good for they good local vital. news. And they're vital for national news as well. The, the, guy usually, who wrote, the guy who wrote The Wire, and obviously he was talking about American news, but he was talking about, he, he wrote before for a paper in Baltimore, before he went off to write, write The Wire. And he said, on the talking about the fall of like local papers, it's going to be a great time to be a corrupt politician in America with the fall of local newspapers. And that, that's, that would, that's also true here. Yeah. Uh, local papers are usually the first to report on any sort of news locally, which then gets picked mm. up nationally. But for all that, we're going to start getting into how the role that newspapers serve to politics. Maeve, do you sort of want to give a brief overview of, of their role? Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the roles that they serve generally in the media um, as well is holding the government to account. Not only do we have the opposition, but we have um, a media that can criticise the government openly. Great thing about liberal democracy. They can also get involved in whistleblowing, um, reporting on scandals, investigative journalism. It's interesting you mention investigative journalism because that's a real interesting point that the newspapers play because they do almost use like undercover police tactics in order to try and investigate and expose political activities that could be considered wrongdoing. I remember the expenses scandal. That was a great piece of investigative journalism yeah, that it was. exposed great. a lot of people who were paid by the taxpayer abusing the system to be enable to enable themselves to pay for more things. I think one MP bought a duck pond for his second house on taxpayers' mm. money. Mm. It has continued with the uh, scandals with expenses. Um, even though we had that gross piece of investigative journalism um, that has continued, you can, if you 
I mean, it, lucky we now have sort of transparency in their expenses. They do have to talk about uh, what they spend, which is obviously a benefit of that the role of, of media. Yeah, that yeah. piece of journalism meant that now MPs had to be transparent. They had to publish what they were spending their money on. But it also and it also means that other investigations can go on. Like, for example, we can see them using money to get Chinese takeaways at night and so on. So the taxpayer paying for our prime minister's Chinese. Yeah. I think also holding the government to account, I think is a really important and understated role of the media. Not the as important as seeing the Chinese takeaway. So of course. Not as important as reporting on <laughs> Boris Johnson's Chinese. No. Yeah. Sorry. Alex. <laughs> it is fair to say they've gone too far though at points with in- in- investigative, investigative journalism. There we go. I'll get it out. There in 2011, I believe it was, was the noticeable Leveson inquiry into how the press had been acting. Now, this wasn't really with politicians, it was more with celebrities. And it was a very damning report into Mm. how the press operated. The the major case. It was the news of the world, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm. The major case that was being investigated was the murder of a schoolgirl called Millie Mm, Dowler. Millie Dowler, yeah. And what had been happening is journalists had been hacking into her phone voicemail service and basically listening to the voicemail messages. But because phone technology wasn't as sophisticated at the time, them checking her phone voicemail service, in fact, as soon as they were checked, these voicemails, they were deleted. And thus, the parents of Millie Dowler, who didn't know she had been murdered at the time, thought she was alive and checking her voicemail inbox and thus the press had acted very unethically in terms of that police case i mean to me that's just not journalism that's it's just not. it yeah, is despicable no. i wouldn't call those people journalists i'd call them criminals yeah mm. and that's a really important line to to talk about how there is a very blurred and very fine line between a very, very good piece of investigative journalism and going too far. I think the ethics of investigative journalism is really, really interesting. I think it's something that people should just go and do their own research on, but I just, I think it's such an interesting topic. And it goes into, plays into also, you know, this whole fake news media thing, you know, how people are accused of being of fake news and now we have to, whether... We have to say whether a fact is disputed. Um, fact checking, yeah. fact checking, and that's it. I think it's just incredibly interesting, yeah. but it's a very worrying part of media nowadays. And also, a very important part that you you touched on is whistleblowing. So, yes. for those of you who don't know, whistleblowing is when someone involved in an organisation comes forward, usually with anonymity, and talks about what's going on in that industry it's usually seen in the financial sector when companies have been acting unethically with people's money i.e insider trading which is where stockbrokers and bankers use people's money to unethically benefit themselves and or their clients at the detriment of other people by getting inside information on company takeovers that will benefit the stock price and thus they make that money on the stock price by betting on it and you get whistleblowers that come in and they talk about the 
unethical practices that go on. And I think that's a really important part of the media that they play in politics because by allowing for whistleblowers to come forward, you act as a, a cleaning mechanism for politics because you allow for people to come forward with anonymity and talk about their experiences in politics. So, we've mentioned broadsheets and tabloids, and we we mentioned we sort of mentioned a bit about the differences. So, does anyone want to define what a broadsheet generally is? So, a broadsheet paper usually is one that I would argue, and this is coming from someone who has written for a broadsheet paper in the past. It is a paper that sort of. I don't know, focuses more on the actual news than trying to grab your attention. They were called broadsheets because they were broad sheets. They were massive. They Actually, it is worth mentioning that most broadsheets now operate in a tabloid format in the sense that, of how the paper's actually laid out and constructed. But there is still a difference in sort of writing and writing style and... Even fonts they use, I seem to think of as like one of the big differences as well. But for the most part, the broadsheet is the one that does not sensationalise, has very calm, collected headlines, and and much deeper writing on, on the bigger problems. And I don't know if anyone wants to give a more neutral opinion. Um, no, I, th- I think that's a quite, a quite a good introduction to broadsheet news. So, broadsheet news is typically the trustworthy sort of news outlets... And in the UK, there are there are six broadsheet papers. You have the Telegraph, which is a more centre-right paper. So if you remember when we talked about political parties, we talked about right-wing and left-wing. Papers are also biased in some way. So the Telegraph is sort of centre-right and would lean more towards the Conservative Party. You have the Times, which is very sort of neutral, but at the last election they backed the Conservative Party. They're more of a pro-establishment newspaper than I, than anything else. The Guardian mm-hmm. and its partner paper, the uh, the Observer, which is their Sunday publication, are more centre-left, and they will more tend to back the Labour Party. Definitely. You have the Eye, which is quite a new but fast-growing newspaper, which is very centrist and very central in its politics, and doesn't really back anyone. You have the Independent, which again, centrist, doesn't really back anyone. And then you've got the Financial Times, which is centrist, but it's very important to mention that the Financial Times is very pro-business. So they will lend themselves more to the Conservative Party than they would to Labour Party. Hmm. And the news in the Financial Times tends to be different... Yeah, yeah it's it's much more focused on stocks and finance. Economics and business business news. news. Yeah, Mm. But I think the the five that we mentioned, the I, Independent, the Guardian, the Times, the Telegraph, they're very trustworthy news sources, and more often than not, their journalism is very, very good. And it's a very good idea to read them all, if you can, in order to get a broader perspective on politics, because they'll Absolutely. have criticism mm. from the left, right, centre. If there's anything you could take away from this podcast be it that you shouldn't stick to one publication when you want to seek news. You should always have in the back of your mind what is the the publisher's motivation 
behind publishing this. That is always what I think. And that tends to be why I read The Independent because I don't think they have any other motivation other than just getting the news out. Whereas some papers may have a motivation behind the headlines that they produce and so on. Mm -hmm. So just make sure you expand your news intake in terms of different types of broadsheets and different uh, ends of the spectrum. Well, talking about the bias of the media, I think perfectly leads us on to uh, what is called tabloids in the UK. Now, the tabloids are more sensationalist Mm. headliners. They are clickbait. Yeah, they're more they're more driven towards their readers. How do you click on a newspaper though? Online content. Well, yeah. Well, I think that they'll they'll have a massive headline that's going to encourage people to either pick up the newspaper or click on it online. That's yeah. That's definitely what I meant. The distinction I was always taught between broadsheet and tabloid is that the broadsheets write the news for their consumers but the consu- but for the tabloids the consumers are write the news for the tabloid i.e. Mm. the tabloids are more pandering to their audience and will write Absolutely. it in a way that will satisfy their audience in order for them to pick it up and read it whereas broadsheets yeah. were more likely to go this is the news pick it up if you want it for me, yeah. the difference actually is best seen by how they come out in support of parties during elections. So I think you mentioned the Times came out in favour of Conservatives in, 20, in 2019. Yep. And the headline for that, I'm guessing, I can't really remember off the top of my head, was Times officially endorses Conservative Party or something like that. Yeah. You know, yeah, simple, very easy. standard. Telling us the what song, they think. Meanwhile, in 1992, said... If Kinnock wins, or if Labour wins, will the last person to leave Britain please turn out the lights? Which yeah. is a very yeah. different sort of headline. I think that brings us perfectly onto who are the tabloids. So, yeah. there are three right-wing tabloids in the UK big. who are very, very big. There's the Daily Express, as Alex earlier mentioned, the uh, the Sun, which has a very, very checkered past. And please look the it truth. up. The truth. Please, please look it up because it's. I don't feel like we sh- we should get into it almost because we'd yeah. be here all day. We will yeah, be but we're all very anti-sun. Yeah, uh, if you don't publish the truth, then expect to be backlashed on. Yeah. And then, and, and, and even more so if you call it the truth. Exactly. Yeah. And then you've we, got th- the Daily Mail, which probably around about the seventies and eighties actually used to be a kind of respectable newspaper but has since got worse and worse and worse, I think, now. Is Daily Mail owned by Rupert Murdoch? I think it's owned by the Mail Group. I'm unsure about this one. I don't think Murdoch does own the Mail, actually. He actually owned, he owned four papers. One of them was News of the World. Yeah, it yeah. was. He doesn't own as many as he... As I think people think. He owns Can Fox News. Can we just Google News. it? Just uh, it's owned it, by the oh, Daily yeah. Mail and General Trust. He owns Trust. Sky. He owns Sky. Yeah, he's, it's owned by the Viscount Rothmere. There you go. Viscount. By the way, my fave, if you boiled every male headline into one, it would probably be immigrant spiders coming to to kill everyone off and steal your jobs or something. Yeah. Yeah, it's very much scaremongering. They know who their readers are and they know what to say. It's like Alex said before, it's pandering. They, they know their audience and they write mm-hmm. to it. And Absolutely. they sensationalise headlines in order to pick up more readers and so on and so forth. 
And then, obviously, there is also the left-wing tabloids. So you've got the Daily Mirror, which is more sort of centre-left, uh, yeah. the Morning Star, which is just left-wing, and what used to be the, the Daily Star, it used to be left-wing, but has rebranded itself now as a satirical piece of news, which is actually working quite well for them. And we'll get onto satire in the media uh, later on in this episode. But it's interesting that they've used that in order to rebuild their their readership. Does anyone have any mm. comments on the tabloids that we've mentioned? Bad. Yeah, yeah. I think that... Um something that probably is worth saying is just don't believe what you read in tabloids as much like like i said before you've got to think about the motivations of the people who are writing what they write um my grandmother reads a daily mail like the bible i mean she just believes everything and i asked her what who does she plan on voting for in the election and she said well i can't vote for labor because in the Daily Mail, they said X, Y, Z. To be and honest, like, that true of any part, party, if anyone says, I'm not going to vote for them because of insert newspaper here, that's mm-hmm. bad. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So, but I do think with tabloids, if you're basing your decision off tabloids, it's not necessarily mm. based off the truth. It's a based off the sens- sensationalised version of the truth. Yeah. Kind so just... Of... If you do want to read a tabloid, what I want to say is don't take it as news. Bible. Don't take it as news. Don't. My... Yeah. yeah, Alex? My, my weird fact is that in America, Fox News is technically not a news channel. It's not classed as a news channel. They don't class themselves as a news channel. They class themselves as an entertainment channel because if they class themselves as a news channel, they would have to go through extra fact-checking procedures, which would mean you know the, the station is completely different. You know their slogan is fair and balanced. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. If, yeah. Also, Definitely if anyone not, has yeah. to tell you they're fair and balanced, they're probably not fair and balanced. I've not felt the need to say that because I kind of think it comes across yeah. by the Brexit episode. Yeah. <laughs> but... <laughs> In, well, that was balanced. Reason, we had two v two. We, we did. It was very balanced. But yeah. for the reason I bring that up is, don't think of the tabloids as news. They're entertainment masquerading as news. If you want to yes. be entertained, read a tabloid. If you want news, which is kind of the point of buying a newspaper, buy a broadsheet. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Also, same on campus. Go team news. Also, <laughs> uh, by the times because they've got a great bloody crossword. Fantastic crossword. Right? Oh, I always have the York Press crossword. Oh, and the Guardian crossword, actually, online. There's some great games in broadsheets, let's be honest. Anyway, yeah. we're going to move quickly on to uh, a small section on free sheets, which are free newspapers to pick up. Uh, you've probably heard of one of them, but first and foremost, the London Evening Standard, which is central to mm. London. It's free to pick up, and it is sort of a centre-right uh, news piece. But probably the more famous of the two free sheets is the Metro, which you can find in most train stations, in most city centres. They're given On the out. train. Actually, I find you can't because by the time I get into the train station, they're all gone. But <laughs> they are massively on the rise. And I think this is largely due to their apolitical stance. They, are, they don't endorse any political party, and I think they actually provide good objective news. We should point out, we are saying this on the day that they have allowed a piece of native advertising from the government talking about the advantages of trade now that Britain have left the EU. So, again, 
let's hope that is a one-off. I, I do want to say I hope that is a one-off, but usually they do provide good news source, especially for on the go when you're on the train. I do have a memory, though, of their front page being an ad for um, leaving the EU. because, And I remember this because I remember a lot of people mm. at my local train station took that off. And there was a pile of these front pages on the floor underneath the stand of the Metro. Uh, first of all, I like them. Metro. Second of all, I feel like the Metro do not screen their adverts or do not run them through any process. Yeah, Probably. you could you could advertise anything in the Metro, which gives me an idea for for advertising for the sports splits. Okay, just <laughs> <laughs> so in terms of the the tabloids and the broadsheets that we've just talked about we've we quickly touched upon the bias of the media and how how would you two go about identifying the bias of certain publications if you weren't privy to the information that we've just given out see if i weren't privy i would just try and read a large amount um, I often, when a big news story breaks, I do like to read more than one account of it. Um, just because if it's some publications might have better information, they might have had an exclusive and so on. I, I do just like to read more than one account of a news story. Doing that can ensure that any biases that might be there may be balanced out. Um uh, any thoughts <laughs> no no I, th I think that's probably the, the, the best way to go about it is mm. to read yeah. broadly to understand in all fairness as well i there was a point where we all didn't know the biases of newspapers and i feel like the way we've been able to find out is that they do make it a tad bit obvious yeah, yeah like, it's for i the was tabloids, gonna say that it's really yeah. obvious like, yeah. Will the last person in Britain please turn out the lights? Wasn't really a you know an um, a, ba a balanced piece of reporting so much as it was a flare gun as to what the what politics was. Yeah, you can't. There's no pinpoint rule that like okay, this is right wing or this is left wing. You can't say if this if it has this in it, then it's left wing and so on. But if you, I think you've got to look at the differences in the headlines. Actually, yeah. maybe mm. I mean, for example. Um, this isn't necessarily about uh, political bias, but if you look at the difference between the headlines about Kate Middleton and Meghan Markle, mm. there are like subtle, not even subtle actually, I don't know why I said that. There are some real differences in the way these headlines are phrased to make you as a reader have an opinion already before you even go on to read the article. So if that's the case, generally that is going to be a tabloid and that is, I mean... Yeah, that's potentially yeah. going to be something to watch out for there. Definitely, and I think the w the way I the way I see it is it's very hard to identify a media uh, media publications bias unless you look it up. So, mm. if you do buy a tabloid or a broadsheet, look up the tabloid or broadsheet that you've bought, and then try and look at the opposing view in order to try and see any sort of balance or any semblance of balance. Um, in terms of reading papers, read try and read them for their bias if you know their political bias. So try and read them and understand their political bias and why they're saying it this way, as opposed to reading them because they're saying it this way. 
Don't read them because they support your arguments. Read them because they are publishing your arguments and you want to understand an opposing view. So you, if you're, so say like me, I'm more inclined to read The Telegraph, but I will buy The Guardian or I'll read The Guardian online because I actually want to understand what people who are left of centre or left wing actually believe about my thoughts on a certain issue. And I think that's a really good way to try and understand your own viewpoints as well as understand the viewpoints of the papers. Yeah, I would agree with that completely. I think that if you just broaden your horizons, it's also the case with online, which we'll get onto the next episode, but you just don't want to be in an echo chamber where all you're seeing is your own views because then you're going to be a bit deluded and think that that's the only view. You need to know the other views so that when you, if you get to the point where you have to make a coherent argument to defend yourself, you know what to expect. Mm. Exactly. And there's also publications that aren't broadsheets or tabloids. There are three main magazines, political magazines in the UK. There is The Economist, which is sort of the centre viewpoint. You have The New Statesman, which gives the sort of centre-left viewpoint. And The Spectator, which gives a sort of centre-right to right-wing viewpoint of the news. And I think they're really good magazines to also read about if you're wanting to really get into politics especially if you want yeah. to understand really interesting arguments and really interesting pieces of news, because they do actually have some really good stories in there and some really good publications. Moving quickly on to, I think, what is the most British part about newspaper media is the ability for the British to really take the mick out of themselves with satirical forms of media so we've got a history of using satire almost against our politicians in order to try and bring them down a peg or two sometimes we see them as a bit pious and needing that extra peg to come down alex do you want to talk a bit more about the satirical media yeah absolutely so i'm i'm a massive fan of satire i'll be honest and Two I really want to mention, I think the two probably biggest, well, the two that have the biggest impacts on British politics. First of all, Private Eye, which is a magazine-style sort of publication. I've, I've got a Private Eye annual somewhere around here. I, I do love them. They just, they will take the mickey out of anyone. So one of my favourite pieces I've ever done was a running thing in the 60s called Mrs Wilson's Diary, which was following Harold Wilson, the Labour Prime Minister at the time, and sort of talking about like talking about her life f- through her diary. And of course, it was satirised in a way to make it sound like Harold Wilson truly just didn't understand anything that was rich or fancy and had real problems with Edward Heath. I think there was one where after Heath won the... I forgot what it's called. Is it the President's Cup in the the sail the big sa- he won a big sailing tournament in Australia as he was leader of the opposition and they published a piece about Harold Wilson playing with a toy ship in the bath and going I'll show Heath I'm better than him and all that. There was another one where you know they came in for their first night at Downing Street and the chef had made them this really fancy meal and Harold went oh that's lovely but can we just have beans on toast instead. <laughs> Uh, and so it was absolutely fantastic and then they had a running thing against Thatcher as well surprise um, that was also quite funny uh, they, they, had, they are probably the yeah. most anti-establishment paper 
they they really are. It's currently van or edited by Ian Hislop. His, Ian Hislop, the guy who's on Have I Got News for You as well. He he calls himself the most sued man in Britain. He probably is. And he probably he probably is because yeah. of the way that Private Eye goes about reporting stories or satirizing stories. They use a really interesting technique by not actually naming people, but by naming them in a specific way that you know who they are, but no sort of libel case can be formed against Private Eye because they've not directly named the person. Yeah, absolutely. Really recommend it. And if you are looking again into satire, which writing satire is so fun anyway, but if you are thinking of getting into satire, then Private Eye is your shining example of how to do it best. The other thing I wanted to mention that's had a massive impact on politics, maybe ever since, was a TV show called Spitting Image, which started in the 1980s, I believe around 1983, 1984-ish, ended in about 1997. But for that entire time, they also went after everyone as well. The famous line with Maggie Thatcher saying, the vegetables will have the same as me. And the I, I particularly remember the Labour Party where they were all singing, we're useless, we're useless, and all that. Really, really famous. Have Watch Spitting Image if you can. You'll be able to find a load of, of links on on YouTube, and they did actually revive the series recently. I don't know how it's going because it's on BritBox and I refuse to pay money for it. Yeah. But, yeah, that completely changed British politics. I think it's fair to argue it completely ruined the career of David Steele, the Liberal leader, who was so absolutely ripped apart with his image on Spitting Image that people associated him more with that character than himself. And... um, Sid Owen as well will be another one who who was changed by spitting image and it sort of brings in the spin doctors and the really over clean image and all that which was really pushed because spitting image was so destructive destructive for politics and for careers that they they had to have that as a response almost so yeah spitting image really influential so in terms of the media uh, in terms of broad uh, publication media in general We've talked about Spitting Image and, and Private Eye. Do you think there's a real point of contention almost that they they are responsible for the professionalisation of politics in terms of making sure that everyone needs to be squeaky clean and no scandals yeah. and no eating a bacon sandwich in the wrong way? <laughs> I would say that's a press in general Spitting image and private eye essentially lead to spin doctors and being very cautious and having your own sort of social media. But the issue is is that that's, that was always inevitable. And I think, actually, there was a before Spitting Image came back, they were celebrating the 30th anniversary on Newsnight. And they were talking about how everyone can sort of satirise now because of social media, because of Twitter, because of of Instagram, because of all that, you can be the satirist. You don't really need a, a... The thing about Spitting Image was, it was the only thing at the time, and Private Eye, sorry, they were the only things at the time that were able to do it, because nobody else had the means of opportunity to satirise politicians. But yeah. now we all can do it, so this would have happened eventually. Maeve, what, what, what's your thoughts on, on media and its role in British politics? You mean satirical media? Any any form of, of, of publication, like newspapers or broadcast. Media. Yeah, so 
I just think it is the way for the public, for those who are unelected, to take uh, the government into account for their actions. I mean, yeah, the role of the media is to criticise the government. And we're, like I said before, we're lucky that we live in a society where we can do that. We don't have to pander to the government. We can criticise them for whatever they do. We're allowed to do that. And I think we should not take that for granted and we should do it more often. Satirical media, I mean, I agree with everything Alex was saying. It It's good to take the, the piss. Am I out of there? Yeah, it is. It is good to take the it's piss. It's good to take the piss because... If you can't, if you don't laugh, you'll cry. Genuinely, yeah, yeah. that's that's the way it has to be. And we're British. This is what we do. If we mm. take the we, piss. we we laugh at ourselves more than anyone. We do. Yeah, we do laugh at ourselves. And I think it's just it's just necessary. Um, but yeah, that's that's my opinion. Yeah, I, I do agree with this beautifully British trait of being able to just go, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, that's funny. And laugh, being able to take it on the chin, and I think some, I think politicians do, do take it quite well. The stuff that is put out about them, they're not very mean spirited about it. They will accept it and move on. That being said, that being said, um, that being said, um, there there is a form of journalism and a form of abuse of the media where they can really like target someone. And witch hunting people, yeah. Witch hunting, that's exactly the right word. And yeah. that is a very, very toxic arm of the UK media. And it, it, it's, it is very much British. I mean, we've got instances of Princess Diana, for example. We, we do I love mean, a good witch hunt here, which is yeah, horrible to say. And it, it, it's sad, but people buy it. People want the photos and they want the stories. People buy into it in the UK. And I think that is one of the main reasons my parents never really bought newspapers because they didn't want to support that. Um, I think, yeah, witch hunting is a pretty toxic part of UK media and something that I would never, ever agree with or support. But I think there's a really big example in politics of one uh, witch hunt, which I think really destroyed someone. And it, it was Charles Kennedy, who was at mm. the time Liberal Democrat leader, who he, he did have a problem with alcohol, right? But the media played to it so bad that it obviously made more stress for him which drove him more into the arms of alcohol and more into the arms of drinking yeah. to escape from this. And it ultimately led to his death. I think we should also clarify that often when we say, when the, these things happen, it is tabloids. Yeah. Um, it's not broadsheets. They wouldn't write that sort of um, targeted there's almost, news because that's not news. There's almost rules of engagement when it comes to uh, political participation of publications in politics. Mm -hmm. So many P's there. Um, <laughs> broadsheets usually go with an approach of we will criticise the policies but not the person. Absolutely. But for tabloids, it almost seems as though everything is fair game from yeah. them, if they're not able to tie their shoelaces properly one time to I remember policies. Diane Abbott poor Diane Abbott got the brunt of it when she messed up a few figures. Bear in mind she shouldn't have messed up those figures, that was a little bit embarrassing yeah. but then she just got a vitriol of hate from readers of these tabloids racism it, it wasn't just yeah it wasn't just you're so stupid you forgot the numbers which i mean i wouldn't even 
encourage that anyway but it was like go and die it was a yeah. horrible horrible toxic things that i do genuinely think that these tabloids and these right-wing tabloids encourage yeah and especially this diane abbott was an absolute uh glass ceiling breaker i think she was the first black female mp to take her mm -hmm. seat in the commons you know as much as i disagree with her on policy i respect the woman enormously because she was she was someone who really broke the mold at the time and mm. the witch hunt she experienced on in the tabloids and in on social media was absolutely horrendous there are still people who by the way talk about diane abbott today about like all about like stop she's, she's not even she's not what? even shadow home secretary leave how her alone long, how yeah. long ago was it was it 2012 stop yeah it's just it, this this is the toxic part of british media and i just think it has to be said it can't be ignored it's something that if we acknowledge it we can learn from it and hopefully our generation won't be buying into that witch hunt the toxicity and so on we can learn from it if, if you see a f newspaper with a front page that is attacking someone personally and not politically because there is a line between mm -hmm. politically attacking and personally attacking someone don't buy it right just yeah, don't don't buy it don't don't buy into that don't fuel that yeah that pro i say prop yeah propaganda really because mm. that's that's the way it sort of goes because perspects are just not deserved no no matter how much you disagree on policy with someone don't attack them personally always attack them politically and through the right channels and it feels toxic parts of our society i mean if we just look at magazines just i'm just going to give you as an example magazines female magazines and they used to have pictures of women in bikinis and it would be a woman in just a flattering pose an unflattering pose and it'd be like look at all this cellulite look how ugly they are also, it just feeds into this toxic beauty standard world mm. I can't believe I didn't mention this at the start when I was introducing the episode and when me and Alex did that little thing at the start. The reference about the, the sun is the fact that on page two there used to be the editorials, right, of the sun. And then on page three there used to be the objectification of women who, I say chose to be in the industry, they didn't choose to be in the industry. They were offered a lot of money to do that sort of thing. And if you want to do that sort of thing, that's cool, fine, whatever. But there were people, you know, we've, we've seen already, people with their boobs out, right, on page three. And that continued for a long time. It wasn't acceptable back when it started. It certainly wasn't acceptable when it stopped. Hmm. Also, whilst you're talking about magazines, if you've not seen all of the stuff that happened around Jade Goody when she was fighting cancer, that was... They were sort of talking about her like she was dead even when she was alive. Yeah. And, yeah, go and look for help. Actually, Charlie Brooker did a really good piece about it for his TV show. Find that on YouTube, because that, that shows how low the magazines can get. Yeah. And this is not like the magazines we mentioned earlier. This is like Heat magazine and, you know, all the gossipy ones. Gossip magazines like Heat, Hello, OK. Yeah. Most of these seen doctor's offices for some reason. Yeah. I do think they are dying out the magazine print. It's not as um, common not as, now that social yeah, the, media is such a big thing. But I would argue the gossip ones are. But I, I obviously I would mostly read sport magazines. They're, they're not dying. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as a girl, who was is I guess the target audience of these magazines, 
I I'm just not attracted to it, especially since like if you want to know what some what celebrities up to, you just go on their Instagram or their Twitter. Yeah. Before we we close out this episode, I think it's important to to mention the uh, the other publications in the UK. Wales doesn't really have any prominent national newspapers in terms of a lot of UK-wide publications are cover England and Wales, but Northern Ireland and Scotland do have their own versions. Scotland have Scottish versions of UK publications, so they'll have the Telegraph, but it would be more to more pointed towards a Scottish audience and so on and so forth. But they have also got their own national papers and tabloids. So there's four really uh, big ones that we should talk about. There is the Daily Record, which is a tabloid, which is pro-union and pro-Scottish sort of Scottish Labour. It's more sort of centre-left. You then have the Herald, which is a broadsheet paper. And a fun fact, it is the longest-running newspaper in the world. It's non-partisan, and it's only taken one political stance ever. So if you want the most centre-ground newspaper by the Scottish Herald, and the one political stance it took was backing no in Indy Ref 1. For the... I was kind of hoping it'd be something really, like, niche. Or, oh. of you know, so, so was something I was... not politically pressing. When I, was, when I was reading up on it, I was there thinking, it's only taken one political stance ever. What is it? And then I was disappointed to find out it was no yeah. in the Indy Ref I was campaign. going to guess Indy Ref, but yeah. I was kind of hoping it'd be something like a pasty tax or... Or something <laughs> really, like, small. Deep Exportation of iron bars. brew, something like that. Yeah. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask this question to you. A compact broadsheet, which is the way, which is sort of like a broadsheet which is presented in a tabloid format called The National. Who, who do you think they could support in Scotland? Hmm. Is it the SMP? I can't believe you got it in the first guess. I was yes. going to go, I was either going, should I say the SMP or should I say something really, really wrong? <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't decide which one. But yeah, the SNP is supported by the National and they, they're they the only uh, paper in Scotland that supports Scottish independence. And then finally you have the Scotsman, which again, compact broadsheet, it's a broadsheet that's presented in a tabloid format. It's centre-right, it's pro-union, and it supports the Scottish Conservatives. And finally, moving on to Northern Ireland, they have three main publications. You have the Belfast Telegraph, which is, again, as we mentioned in the Northern Ireland episode, when in our special, it is British unionist, but it's more a liberal perspective. You have the Irish News, which is an Irish nationalist paper. And then you have the Newsletter, which is British unionist, but it's more conservative in its outlook. So, just to sort of round off the episode and sort of get a final view from you guys, is the and I, I know it's a very complicated issue to turn into a yes or no question, but is the media and where have we heard that before? Oh gosh, <laughs> shock horror! If we bring up it again, I feel like every episode we mention this Brexit special that we've recorded. Yeah. Well, now just, it's already we've up. just recorded it, and we're really excited to mention it again. Of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. On on this issue, do you think publication media, so newspapers, broadsheets, tabloids, whatever, are a force for good in British politics? Broadsheets, yes. Tabloids, no. That's exactly my point of view. I think that uh, I understand why tabloids are a thing. I mean, 
they wouldn't be a thing if people didn't buy them and didn't want them um but for me that's just it's just not good news reporting and it isn't news reporting yeah i've I've heard them called shag rags before mm. and i think that perfectly sums up what a tabloid is um i'm also of the same opinion so i'm glad we all agree on this um yeah, yeah. broadsheets good tabloids not so much bad <laughs> Yeah, if we're going to put this into a referendum, you know, there we go. Which one do you want to side with more? Broadsheets. Do you want to yeah. leave the tabloids to another country or do you want them to remain here? <laughs> I'd happily exile most of the tabloids. Some have Please. some good sports coverage. I would like them to Brexit. Brexit? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no, BR, broadsheet exit. Exit away. No, because we want the we no, want the broadsheets. Yeah, no, we want the we want the broadsheets. Oh, we want the tabloids what? out. Tax it. Tax it. Oh. We but just want them the to make a British Texas... exit. <laughs> <laughs> isn't Texit Texas leaving the United States? I don't know. I Sounds don't know. like it. <laughs> Maybe. But I I did see fin fin Finnish exit, which they called Fexit, and I was like, no, that don't work. And no. Frexit is French, French. exit. It, that also doesn't. Which work. is a film, by the way, the French exit. Anyway, we've gone. Anyway, way. we've gone. We've gone past yeah. the point. Um, thank, thank you for listening to this episode where we've talked about uh, the media, and uh, we're just going to round off with, what is your favourite publication? If you had to choose one to save, who's your favourite publication? Alex Woodward. Do I have to? Wait, does it have to be a national paper? National paper. Because that's going to make one. my life easier. Okay, yeah, The Guardian. Maeve? Um, you know what? I'm going to agree. I'm going to say The Guardian as well. I like it. And if I'm ever... I don't know how this has turned into Desert Island Discs, but if, <laughs> I, if ever I'm stranded on a desert island, I am taking The Times. Okay. So thank you for listening to this episode of the Politicking Podcast. If you have been wondering where we've been, uh, it is currently assessment time at the University of York, and which is always a, a fun time. So we've been writing assignments over the past few days and few weeks, and we've only just managed to get around to, first of all, finishing these assignments, and second of all, being able to edit this podcast and, and put it all out as well. Bit of a rough time, but you know, we're back now, we're back now, and we're back recording episodes, we'll be back every Friday, don't worry, you can get your politics fix from us. And before we go, I would like to say thank you to University Radio York for helping us produce this podcast, and I would like to say thank you to Jonathan Cook for producing the audio resources that we use. <laughs>